Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Okay, so I'm reading up on Tim Scott because he's my guy. He's my guy right now based on things I've heard in him that he's said. Jack is officially hot for Scott. I am. He's He's my guy. I like all the things he's saying. I love love him saying this is not a racist country. I'm love he I love him saying you're not a victim if you if you if you buy a car, make your payments, if you owe money, blah blah blah. All your personal responsibility stuff, love it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Great story. His life story is fantastic. 57 years old, never married. All right. But uh, and he did say uh, once in his late 40s, he gave an interview in which he said he wanted to have six kids. He wants to get married and have six kids. He hopes his wife will be interested in a lot of kids because he wants to have six kids. I'd say at age 57, you better get started. Yeah, you would say, yeah, maybe look into sex sextuplets. Um, however, so what's going on there? You're either you're either a playboy. Doesn't seem likely. Or you're gay. You, know, or you just options? haven't found the right girl. At 57? You, what the? Lower your standards. I don't, I don't know. That is, it's curious. I got to admit, it's curious. If I run into somebody who's 57 years old and successful, never been married, there are several choices how that can happen, um, but uh, a couple of them would get a lot of attention. Well, here's one of the choices that it could be. This is actually pretty good. Uh he said his focus, uh, up until when his mom died, has always been taking care of his mother. So that's part of his story, right? His parents divorced when he was seven. They were dirt poor, and his mom took care of him. She worked 16-hour days when he was a little kid, Ooh. and he started working at a very young age. And, yeah, it's, it's rough. And that story is going to be very compelling. Uh, as a poor kid growing up, the most important thing for me to do was take care of my mom. And until I had that accomplished, she ended up buying her house and everything like that. Until I had that accomplished, starting a new family was just not an option for me. That's pretty good. That's pretty good reason. Hmm. 
you say his mom died? At some point, I think. Am I right about that? I could be wrong. Michael just said he brought her on stage. That is macabre. (laughs) I mean, that's inappropriate. He'll take criticism for that if both are true. (laughs) Well, then clearly I heard wrong. (laughs) Yes. People are criticizing Tim Scott for bringing the cadaver of his mother. We kept in the attic with a shawl around her. Rocking in a chair. Exactly, yes. So apparently his mom is still alive. So that's a great part of the story also. He's got a very, very compelling story. Um, And I'm I'm not trying to be just silly and uh, inappropriate here because I'm kind of looking for what are the attacks going to be on this guy, either from... Usually the most brutal attacks are from your fellow party mates in the competition, right? I mean, because you got to you got to yeah. win the nomination in violation of Reagan's eleventh commandment. Yeah, it's weird that South Carolina's got two older senators, males that have never been married. I just find that interesting. I haven't checked the census yet. Do they have a shortage of women in South Carolina or anything like that? Mm. Bless my soul. Mm. Huh. Well, I just love the fact that uh, he's, A, an incredibly admirable guy. Oh, I'm yeah. told he's as charming in person as he is, uh, you know, on a stage. Great life story, as we've said. Um, he... Uh, v- energetically dismisses the idea that America is a land of oppression and white supremacy and the rest of it. Um, super positive message for, for young people, particularly young people of color. And I think that would, you know, to, to liberate those folks from the oppression of low expectations and deliberate dependency. If you don't think keeping people dependent is a deliberate strategy of the left, you're a fool. It's 100% a strategy. He did bring his living mom on stage, which is important to point out. We have clarified those reports. And I have personally known people who did not get married and have kids because they were taking care of their parents. So that's mm-hmm. a thing. Okay. Absolutely. And Lindsey yeah. Graham still needs to explain himself. Well, he was taking care of his sister. There okay, there you go. Time. Okay, that's perfectly. Their parents died. Right. Yeah. Perfectly. Good explanation. Yeah, yeah. All right then. Moving along. Do you Ready to move along? Do you have much nope. of a belief that Tim Scott will get out of one percent and become oh, yeah, a thing? Absolutely. You do. Yeah. Hundred okay. percent. Yeah. Now I'm not saying he's going to win, but he's uh, admittedly a long shot. But he's such a compelling figure. I've been a huge fan of his for quite some time. So yeah, he is going to catch fire in a way that a Nikki Haley won't. She's super smart. She knows what to say. Um, but she doesn't have it. Well, I'm a Mike Pence man, so. Oh, boy. Speaking of not having it, charisma bypass surgery 10 years ago. It was, it was necessary. He had a condition. Uh, anyway. Room temperature. <laughs> Something completely different now. Just wanted to squeeze this in apropos of little. You probably know how insane the San Francisco Communist Board of Stoop Advisors is. I mean, they are the people who have ushered San Francisco down the road to 
being just a, a, a nightmare, like a national catchphrase of how progressive policies ruin a city. To quote one of my favorite uh, essays again, San Francisco has become a cruel city. It became so dogmatically progressive that maintaining the purity of the politics required accepting or at least ignoring devastating results. Mm. This is which are Matt there, Dorsey. Which are there to see if you just are willing to look around you. Stand on a city block and just look oh, yeah. around. It's not complicated. Yeah, yeah. You've got to ignore the devastating results. Uh, this is Supervisor Matt Dorsey, who represents one of the districts of San Francisco, um, spitting some common sense. I love this. Clip 51, Michael. When people who use drugs lower their standards to accommodate their drug habits, they're addicts. When people who don't use drugs lower their standards to accommodate somebody else's drug habits, they're codependent. And I think what we're ha- what we're seeing right now in San Francisco is our drug crisis owes as much to our civic codependency as it does to an unprecedented level of mass addiction right now. Um, but uh, we are normalizing things like reducing hours of a supermarket to be able to stay open. If you go to the Whole Foods at Market and Eighth Street, you can't get a hand basket to go shopping because they had 200 when they opened and all of them were used as shoplifting implements and they're all gone. Um, you have to get a push cart now. Um, they reduce their hours. You can shop for sundries here, but it's all under lock and key. And slowly, in, in well-intended increments, we are lowering our standards, eliminating boundaries, and I, and I think that's the problem. I think we have to have a real conversation about the need for boundaries, not just for San Franciscans, but for the people who are struggling with substance use disorders. You mean act like parents with an addicted child? I mean, one of the things that I said on Twitter is, this is a cruelty we are normalizing every day that we would never tolerate for a similarly situated family member. And when we start treating people who are struggling with substance use disorders on the street as if they were family members, uh, then we'll be worthy of being the city of St. Francis. But right now, we're not. Mm, the city of St. Francis. Good one. That's some eloquence right there. I mean, common sense and then a nice eloquent end there from uh, Matt Dorsey. Uh, Matt, we say, say well done. It reminds me of the oft-stated principle that the uh, Europeans expressed when they came to visit San Francisco's safe injection sites and the rest of it. They said the part that you're getting tragically wrong is you still have to hold people up to their responsibilities as citizens. You can let them inject drugs and try to get them treatment and everything, but you don't let people commit crimes and crap on the street and do drugs in public and build junkie camps. This is ridiculous. That's what Matt Dorsey was saying in not so many words. We've got to maintain our expectations of them to act like neighbors and citizens. It's so clearly true. So the idea of treating them like a family member, there is some truth to that, but I have known people who have kids or husbands or wives who get off on that track, and it's not easy. I mean, what what does he mean oh, exactly no. when you say treat them like a family member? Because I know people who they can't. What are you going to do? You can't abduct them. You can't put them away. If they decide, this is what I'm going to do. You can uh, Basically, all you can do is say, all right, you know, if you decide you want help, I'm here for you. But other than that, I can't have you at my house. Because you steal stuff, right. or you you know knock things over, and I don't want my kids to see it, and whatever. 
Yeah, that's uh, that was the weakest part of the argument. I wish he hadn't used that the choice of words, that the, that phrase, because I mean, codependency and enabling and the the difficulties of making those decisions among family members is incredibly hard. But as a society, you don't get to steal. Yeah, that's not negotiable, except it is in in blue cities. So I I've been trying to figure out if I'm too hard hearted or not lately with this impulse. But like I'm walking down the street in uh, any town, California yesterday, walking down the street and there is what appears to be a perfectly able bodied. I don't know about his mind, but seemed to be perfectly able bodied, like 28 year old dude. And he's got a book he's reading and he's got his, uh, you know, kind of I'm urban camping gear, which he's got a lot of. And he's got a little sign there, you know, anything helps God bless, and a little container there that people are throwing money in. And my only thought is, get an effing job, dude. Every business I've walked by has a sign on the door that says, help wanted. Every business on the street can't get somebody to wait tables or do dishes or make coffee or whatever. Get one of those jobs rather than sitting there on a nice day reading your book asking for other people to put money in your hat. F you. That's my thought when I walk by that person. Am I too hard-hearted? His counter would be, yeah, I'm happy between government benefits and handouts. Okay, you get to do that. get to sit here in the sunshine reading a book. You get to do that. I guess who I'm really mad at is you people who put money in his hat. Or you people who advocate for billions and billions and billions of dollars to be spent to help that poor man. You can work at any of these businesses here. Is that going to give you enough money to live? I don't know. Probably not. But you're doing nothing right now asking other people to give you money. How about you go over there and wash dishes at that place that I know needs people and make some of your own damn money? Listen to the hard-hearted, wealthy white man. Oh, maybe I am. That's what I'm hearing. No, you're freaking right. Of course you are. Another great story of California's crumbling coming up. I, I'd meant to get the metal guy his due. Uh, a story of the California Endowment. Do you know about the California Endowment? It is corruption that third world dictators would blush at a little bit later on this hour. Awesome. All on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe 
Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. On the way back to the yard, the owner of the car found out and they pursued him. And at some point caught up with him. The shooter was shooting at the driver. And he wasn't shooting to wound. I'm sure he was shooting to kill him. So easy, he could have easily killed this driver. Uh, it's a tow truck driver got shot at trying to repossess a car. And I just thought, um, I wonder if there's going to be a rash of that. We were talking with some people in the car industry the other day about the common placeness of four-figure car payments at 72 months. Oh. And if there is a recession and a lot of people start losing their jobs or getting frightened, I think a lot of people are going to be bail- bailing on those cars that they're so upside down on. Uh, I, I'm, I, I, I can't imagine it's ever a good idea to buy a car on 72 months financing, but What's the total cost of ownership with all that interest? It's like, you know, your $500,000 house costs you $1.4 million or whatever it is once you pay off all the interest. If indeed you keep a 30-year loan, which virtually nobody does. I don't know, but you'd be damn upside down in that car for a long time. And I just wonder if there's going to be a whole bunch of people bailing on their car loans, and that's going to be a national thing. The car closure crisis. Right, exactly. That's what I'd call it. Oh, hey, why don't we squeeze this in? Michael, uh, play us a clip number one. It's self-explanatory, right? So we can dial this trajectory right. Looks very good. He's got the distance right. I appreciate you making me cry. I'm living a dream. I'm making sure that I enjoy this moment. I've learned that after my 46 years of life. It's not going to get better than this. There's no way. No chance in hell. And cheers to the 29,000 uh, PJ Tour professionals, PJ professionals in the world. It's for you guys. Thank you. So that was at the PGA Championship, one of the four major golf tournaments over the weekend. And uh, this unknown club pro. And they set aside a certain number of slots for these guys to come out and compete. They almost never make the cut. Occasionally one does and gets to the weekend, gets to play the weekend. Very exciting. They fade to 77th place or whatever, or however many guys make the cut. But this guy, Michael Block from Mission Viejo, California, he makes the cut. And he's regularly in the top 10, top 15 guys, just keeps playing great. And everybody, you know, certainly the crowds there are paying attention to who might be winning. But 
everybody in the crowd starts rooting for this guy. Doesn't matter who your favorite player is, you're rooting like crazy for Michael Block. And this guy, so there's enormous galleries. He's under all this pressure, and he steps up on the 15th hole, and he slam dunks an ace, a hole in one, in front of these enormous crowds. Everybody melts down, hugs and dancing and high fives, and some of the legends of golf are running up to him and hugging him and everything. It's just, and then he has a miracle par on the 18th hole to finish in 15th place, which means he's automatically entered into next year. He doesn't have to qualify or anything like that. So it's a super great feel-good story. Well, right. So do all cultures like the underdog that way? You referenced uh, a famous Osama bin Laden saying last week that I never never understood from the first time I heard it. Uh, Osama bin Laden uh, saying that when people see two horses fighting, they root for the strong horse. And I thought, I don't. If I if I see, a, a, I'm almost always root for the underdog. And uh, is that a yeah, culture? Yeah, it was really disappointing, by the way, over the weekend. Judy and I were going to go to the horse fights, but she was a little under the weather, so we canceled. <laughs> um, is that a uniquely American thing, that we tend to root for the underdog? Yeah, that's an interesting contrast. I think or is Osama un- was talking about ge- politics. Okay. Um, yeah, it's funny. You don't do that politically. You don't root for the little country to come out on top politically. So maybe, maybe that is uh, maybe that is the thing. Yeah, his son sent this Michael Block a video of everybody at his home club in like the big dining room watching on a big screen TV and going absolute ape when he made the hole in one two. And this guy could not keep it together. Sam, more, it was it was fabulous. I'm more like Osama bin Laden's thinking. I was rooting for Tiger Woods. If he had been in the tournament and winning, then I would have turned it on. You're a lot like Osama bin Laden, now that you mention it. <laughs> wow. If you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. 
Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Yo, yo, how you doing? You excited about Memorial Day weekend this weekend? Boy, I am. I'm going to eat so many hot dogs. I actually am. I'm going to play a little golf, lay around a little bit, think about the folks who've sacrificed all for this wonderful country, among other things. I'm sure looking forward to it. I'm sure, I'm sure I will do zero laying around. That's the only thing I can count on. Mm. I will make sure no relaxation happens during the period. You know of time. what I'll do? Because I'm generous, I will lay around for you. Okay. I'll lay around even more in your name. Gotcha. This is Representative Byron Donalds, sharp young Republican from Florida, arguing with the Caesar haircutted numbskull Chuck Todd on Meet the Press, clip 40. You realize that President Trump has added more to the deficit. Joe Biden. You're some of it's COVID. The, some gonna, of it's COVID. Oh, oh, I, I, the I, I most take of it is COVID. Not Let's be clear it. with the people. It's about half of it's COVID and half of it's the tax cut. That is not true because we raised numbers, more revenue. We raised more revenue than CBO projected. If you bring in more money than your projections are, how are you adding to your deficits, John? Yeah, and if you pay, if somehow you keep cutting taxes but more revenue comes in the government, that math doesn't work over time. You can have it in the first first year due to some various accounting uh, tricks, but it doesn't work over no, time. No, Chuck, that is not true. The purpose of tax policy is to raise revenue for the federal government, mm-hmm. not to equalize society. I didn't understand all that, but I enjoyed his pushback more than practically any Republican I've seen on any talk show in a long time. He needs to be on all the talk shows arguing about everything. Yeah, boy, and is Chuck Todd a smug little you-know-what. Uh, and of course they we- never push back on Democrats that way. Oh, no, I was just going to bring that up. You read my mind. Good for you. Clip 41. Are, are you comfortable with breaching the debt ceiling? No, I'm not comfortable with that. This should have been done 100 days ago. Mm-hmm. House Republicans have been working on this for three months. I've been in the room. I've been in those meetings. Mm-hmm. And while we were working on a strategy to raise our nation's debt ceiling, yeah. which is something the House of Representatives has passed, Joe Biden was ignoring it. And Chuck Schumer was ignoring it. And I think All that right. he has been derelict in his duty. I would love to be either a fly in the wall or invisible, so I could. I think it'd be easier to be. In, I don't want to be a fly. I'd rather be invisible, so I could attend all those meetings. I can't imagine how they go about this. So Biden and McCarthy talked on the plane by phone yesterday when Biden's coming back from Japan, and uh, but they're talking about how they got their staff members engaged in the negotiations. How, how do they? What do they do? I mean, I'd, lo- I'd love to know how that plays out. At some at some point, somebody has to be sitting in a room saying, look, we can't say this out loud, but this is what we got to do. Don't they? Doesn't there have to be some of that at some point? I realize you can't say this and I can't say this. So this is the way we got to approach it. Isn't that the oh, yeah. only way to get it done? Behind closed doors, there's yeah. a lot of, look, you got to give me a win. Here's the win I want. That's, you got to give me this win. I'll give you this. That's the part I would love to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very, very transactional. They do not. The last thing they do is stand there shouting principles at each other. I assure you. <laughs> Speaking of being invisible, I've noticed recently that. So like when we were younger, that was uh, one of your superpowers. Like if you could have any superpower, what would you want it to be? Mm-hmm. And they were usually um, run real fast, fly, invisible, sure. mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Kids now always answer shape shifting. So that's like 
that's a superpower that we never discussed when we were younger. Shape shifting is always the winner. Well, now your your more pervo friends would always say I'd want to be invisible so I could go in the girls' locker room. But now all you have to do is claim to be transgender, so oh, there's no point in that. Got a great story of that of a high school locker room, a freaking dude walking in there. Well, someone with a penis was walking in there and undressing in front of the high school girls. Oh my god! If they were doing it to make a point, I can respect that. But uh, yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, perhaps on tomorrow's show. This is such a great story of Corruptifornia. I love it. More great writing from Thomas Buckley, California Globe. If you don't click on the California Globe now and again, you really ought to. In 1996, Jack, one insurance company bought another one. State got in the middle, and the California Endowment was born. Blue Cross acquired WellPoint Health Networks. And state leg regulators said, okay, this one big company, you can buy that other big company, but you got to create us a healthcare based foundation as a condition. So you're saying I got to start a charity to buy this other company? Yeah, okay, whatever. All right, we'll do it. <laughs> and so the California endowment was born. And it's now a very big, big deal. $4 billion in the bank. Spends about $230 million a year on so on quote-unquote worthy causes. And a hell of a lot on expenses every year. Um, and as uh, Thomas Buckley points out, it spends a big chunk on woke causes. How woke? Check out the Twitter page to learn that there can be no borders on stolen land. That the new Florida anti-illegal immigration law is very bad, like Prop 187 was. And that climate justice is a racial justice issue. And, of course, this. Climate justice is a racial justice issue. Well, that's a complicated notion. And uh, this, quote, The endowment joins George Soros in pushing the notorious decriminalization palooza that is Prop 47, spending more than $600,000 on a communications campaign that emphasized injustice in minority communities. The effort included a social media campaign that pitted state funding for prisons against funding for schools. Oh, build schools, not jails. You remember that, Jack? The idiotic false choice? (laughs) Okay, build streets, not schools. Or... Build schools, not sidewalks, or build sewage treatment plants, not streets. I mean, (laughs) what kind of logic is that? I don't know. Even the Los Angeles Times noticed calling the endowment, quote, one of the big... It is pretty hilarious. It's amazing it caught on as much as it did. Well, there's kind of an unspoken, well, if kids go to school, they won't become prisoners. Yeah, plenty do, though. And if they break the law, they got to pay the price. Uh, even the L.A. Times called the endowment one of the big five groups that pushed the passage of that proposition. So the unholy, infamous Prop 47, one of the big five groups pushing it was this so-called health care endowment. Whether this overt political activism jibes with the endowment's initial health care mission could be seen as rather doubtful. As the Articles of Incorporation, which more than emphasized healthcare spending, would seem to take a dim view of such activity. Article 4 of the very endowment's document of founding states that, quote, no substantial part of the activities of this corporation shall consist of carrying on propaganda or otherwise attempting to influence legislation. Well, when asked, endowment chief communications officer Sarah Reyes said that, quote, then this is so good. If you're a fan of lying gobbledygook, this is solid gold. The definition of health is not just health care. It is shown through research and other health experts that the place where you live, work, 
go to school, play, etc., can have both negative and positive impacts on your health. By that definition, a definition so broad as to belie the meaning of the word definition. (laughs) Everything technically, no matter how tangential, not matter, no matter how not in keeping with the point of its creation, is healthcare. Everything is healthcare. Sure. Crossing the street, well, legs to walk, eyes to look out for cars, a hospital if you get hit by a bus, all healthcare related. Sitting in a chair and staring for an hour, well, there's the part you sit on, not exercising is bad, maybe even a sign of loneliness related mental health conditions. So, all healthcare related. Going into the voting booth, well, you get the drift, he writes. Mm. So, and, and he goes into a fair amount of detail about the various expenditures they make, um, He says, by insisting that whatever you happen to be doing or are in favor of requires utter primacy in society or everyone will die. It's an extremely (laughs) effective tool to both amass power and dismiss and denigrate anyone who disagrees with you as uncaring and evil. And right now is most likely squirming with glee watching other people suffer. So how true is that? If you can portray everything as health, anybody who's against whatever policy that can cover the entirety of the human experience. Um, anybody who's against that policy is obviously against health, uncaring and evil, and everyone will die! Which is absolutely great light writing. One more sentence. Donning the cloak of do-goodery to mask political motives is a typical tap- tactic of the new progressive equitarian movement, as the mantle of health and safety is very handy when you want to be seen doing the right thing, while what you are actually doing is slithering your power and prestige throughout society. Then he goes, and it also helps cover an inconvenient truth. There's gold in them, their oppressions. Ah, Longtime endowment chief Robert Ross has paid more than $800,000 a year to run this important health charity. Chief investment officer clears... 800 grand a year to run the health charity. The chief investment officer clears more than a million dollars a year. And the 140 or so employees make, on average, in this charity, this endowment, about $200,000 a year in pay and benefits each. I'm glad they dedicated their lives to helping others. Unfreaking believable. We'll post this entire article for you at uh, armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, Corruptifornia, friends. Uh, so I just saw this headline The ride sharing company Uber is launching a new service for teenagers in several major cities. Would that mean for teenagers to ride in the car alone? Or can they do that already? I have no idea what that means. I don't know what that means either. Teenage drivers? Uber for teenagers? I don't know what that means. I guess I should have clicked on the story. The regular Uber is for teenagers and 30-year-olds and old folks. A friend of mine rode in an Uber the other day or a Lyft, one of the two. I've been told that Lyft is like Target and Uber's like Walmart, but I've never used Lyft. Uber has made a strong comeback now. It's it's on the front foot. It's also anecdotal, you know. It's hard to say. But um, somebody was in one of those cars the other day, and the person was so smelly. Like, couldn't hardly stand being in the vehicle. An aggressive scent. And so we got into the conversation of, do you... put that in the comments or do you give them like lower stars and there's some belief you know floating around the internet that 
If you give bad reviews, they give you a bad review, and then that lowers your average, and it's harder to get a ride. That's why most people never give bad reviews to the drivers, because the belief, at least on the internet, is that it'll be reciprocated, and then you'll have then you know you'll have a four point one instead of a four point nine, and it'll be hard to get rides. Right. So nobody ever actually complains if the person seems maybe visibly high or smells horrible or. It's mm. a million degrees in their dirty car or whatever your complaint is. Wow. Do well, you know? That's insidious. I've never left I a do bad not review. know that. I've left a mediocre review, definitely. Oh, no, it was it was overtly negative, come to think of it. What was their uh, transgression? Have, oh, this, this person drove like five miles per hour below the speed limit <laughs> on all roads, no matter what traffic was doing, uh, s- drove meekly in the right lane, uh, just it was it was terrible. It it the trip took like twice as long as it should have. Did uh, did you feel like you? Oh, got they any... spoke. They hobbled very little in Glacy as well. Did you feel like there was any pushback? I mean, did they give you a bad review? I have no recollection. Right. None. What do you got? You know, on? Your Uber. Thought, what's your what's your score? Let me look at mine. I don't know. I'd have to look. You I take thought a you were going to go in a different direction. I thought you were going to say that leaving a review that they're they're stanky if it's uh. You know, somebody from a culture that doesn't prize uh, you mm. know, uh, deodorant quite like us. I thought you were going to say it was is like racist. Um, I you take a lot more Uber rides than I do, so I'm a four point nine six on my Uber. That's pretty high. Oh, that's really high. Congratulations! What's but I never complained to anybody though. Get so. started. Get started. Already started. That's I've never complained about anything though, and you have. So maybe it's just cowardice that I have such a near a near five rating. Hmm. And I yeah, should have said at some working. point, uh, you know, it was too hot in your car. Or how about vacuuming the floor now and then? Or have you ever you looked into a bar of soap? Any of those things? <laughs> For instance, it's a little <laughs> passive aggressive, but uh, who am I to criticize? Uh, I don't know. It's not letting me in. That's okay. weird. Uh, we will finish strong next. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 23 people shot in Chicago over the weekend with Mayor Johnson's first weekend as the guy in charge of that city. That's a lot of people shot in one city in one weekend. Wow. Good luck with that. Nobody's going to talk about what's actually happening. You have a culture where small disputes are settled with gunfire. Well, and they Got don't to uh, deal with the culture. Plus, you're not pun- punished for doing it. So. Well, right, yeah, no accountability. Oh, speaking of accountability, yeah, I, I got my Uber to work. I'm, I'm 4.9 on Lyft and 4.91 on Uber. So, yes, I am five one-hundredths of a point uh, lower than you. I believe that's because I'm willing to stand up for myself. Yeah, you, probably because I've just passively rolled over in the face of uh, bad Uber drivers. Exactly, exactly. I mean, just it's pretty ridiculous. what they give you. There's no way... Because almost everybody I know is close to a five. You're going to tell me like every driver is nearly perfect and every rider is nearly perfect? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Great inflation. I I Airbnb'd not long ago, and I had to enter my review before I could see the homeowner's review of me. So. Did they do their review of you after you reviewed them? No, because as soon as I clicked send, I could view my review mm-hmm. of me, and it was glowing. It asked me <laughs> not to sunbathe in the nude anymore on the front lawn. Um, well, you do that thing where you bend over and <laughs> whatever that part of your body's called. Yeah, yeah, the perineum. The perineum, yeah, you sun, you sun your perineum. Oh, yeah, science has shown that that's a way to health and happiness. Helps you live longer or lowers your blood pressure. or All of the above. Yeah, that's got to be a nasty sunburn. Oh, yeah, you got to ease into it. Trust me. Put off this weekend's bike ride, I'll tell you. <laughs> Pro tip. Pro tip. How much time have I got, Michael? Uh, we can start any time after uh, hearing go that. Ahead. Then, then, yeah, we'll go, go ahead, and then I'll have time for my final thought. Go ahead. Check your clock. It's time to stop. Jack and Joe, they've got to go. And if they don't, you can, they'll be back tomorrow. Yep. That would be our theme song if we were a late 70s sitcom. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. There he is, our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael? Yeah, my wife just texted me and said, we have so much fruit, we have got to eat it all or it's going to rot. They have all these little fruit stands in my neighborhood. There's a whole bunch of them, and I've been mm. going crazy. I've got all sorts of fruit to eat now in the house. It's, it's going to, sp- Yeah, but it's going to spoil. So. Keep your regular, healthy. Bring a basket into uh, to the radio ranch so people stop eating all them damn donuts. Katie Green, our esteemed newswoman and producer, has a final thought. Katie? 
I went to a wedding over the weekend, and I lost count of how many of your fans I met. Oh, there. Everybody loves them, some Armstrong and Getty. It was it was really cool. Big with the wedding crowd. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. That's super. Jack, final thought for us? Yeah, wide-ranging and fascinating interview with former sec def Bob Gates yesterday on Face the Nation. But one of the things he said was, even at the height of the Cold War, we had a red phone with the Soviets, and we had plans in place if there were an an air mishap or a navy mishap to make sure we didn't end up at end up in nuclear war. He said we have none of that with China now. Zero plans for any contingencies, no communication. That's not good. Do we even have Xi Jinping's number so we could text him? Hey, we're about to attack, so you still up? Sorry, LOL. Yeah, my final thought just flitted out of my head. Oh, as we learned earlier on the Armstrong and Getty Show, yes, your dog actually loves you, according to science. Their brains light up very much like a human being's uh, when you uh, give your tender words or pet them or whatever, and they want to be with you very much. If that's not love, what is? So I've decided to quit calling my dog several names that I occasionally call him. Did you say we're about to attack LOL? <laughs> <laughs> Heart emojis. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. <laughs> so many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Many of the fascinating articles we said, hey, we'll post that to armstrongandgetty.com. They're up already. Click on the hot links and read them. Drop us a note. Pick up some A&G swag. <laughs> Missiles on the way. LMFAO. <laughs> uh, we'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. I'm strong and getty. <laughs> I yield the rest of my time, but this. Okay. Your time has expired. But damn it. I'm better cut it down about the blood for damn place. The states that are bleeding people. That's that's not a good term. Let's leave bleeding that's out good of it. enough. Shedding people. Eh, shedding's not that great. The areas that are losing people to high Draining. Streets. How about draining? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all very much. Have a terrific day. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.